Get ready for a comeback story. It's one you haven't heard before because it's unique. It's about a man who was in deep trouble, physically, psychologically, emotionally. And after years of suffering, he found his path back to a healthy, fulfilling life only after a near-death experience provided an epiphany. Bernie Kosar was a beloved NFL veteran, mostly with the Browns. He later won a Super Bowl ring with the Cowboys and held two passing records that stood for about three decades before they were broken by Tom Brady. Bernie also quarterbacked the Miami Hurricanes to a stunning national championship back in 83. Now, Bernie credits his dramatic return to health to a regimen that is holistic, natural, and unconventional. None of those methods are endorsed by this podcast at the exclusion of modern medicine. I have not used them. If they interest you, the information is easily searched. It seems wise to make your health choices based on your instincts and people you trust. Bernie is not endorsing any companies or products or selling anything except hope. And that, he says, has become a responsibility. So, Bernie, I'm, I'm so grateful for your time and willingness to tell your story. We were at a scrimmage at University of Miami, your alma mater, of course, watching them practice, making small talk as you do at a practice. I'm asking you about Tyler Van Dyke, the Hurricanes quarterback. And then I stopped and say, hey, so how you doing? Like, what have you been up to? And little did I know you were going to tell me this incredible comeback story. And, and that's what we're here to talk about. But can you describe the difference between where you are now looking and sounding so healthy and where you were when you began this comeback journey? Well, Chris, great to be with you today. And absolutely, after you asked that, that nice question with such genuineness, <laughs> I'm so happy that you actually still consider me friends and you actually called me back and stuff because you got <laughs> way... On. It got a, a way longer winded answer than I think you envisioned, uh, envisioned when we talked, uh, we started talking about it as we were watching Tyler at the U start making, making some amazing plays with coach Cristobal down there. But I'm so glad that I got that answer. I'm so glad the, the answer was way more involved than I thought it was going to be. Well, you know, thanks. And as, as I, as I'm really getting into the late third quarter, early fourth quarter of, of my life, and you kind of reflect back on really what, where you're at, what you've done, um, and you think back of just as a, a ex-football player, finance economics major at the University of Miami, and you start doing the math on almost 40 surgeries, probably 75, 80 broken bones, um, probably over 100 concussions, started having um, seizures. I had 14 to 15 seizures, of which the last couple of seizures, I was in a coma for 72 and 96 hours. Um, Chris, as I punished you on the sidelines of the game, and, and as we were talking, um, if that would have been five years ago when we were talking, I was quite a few ho-hos north of 300 pounds. Um, mm -hmm. My ability to articulate, enunciate, communicate, really any multiple syllable words was was negligible. Um, being almost four, four and a half years ago to, to be diagnosed from doctors to say, yeah, five years left of cognitive brain function and to really not even be able to say cognitive nor understand what cognitive meant at that moment was was actually pretty scary. And when you're when you're dealing with those type of issues and and you're really trying to get yourself out of it, um, I found I found that um, I wasn't having much success. 
And, and no disrespect, again, no disrespect to the doctors and some of the treatments that I've received or not even from the NFL in terms of some of the treatments that um, probably they de definitely did not help um, mm -hmm. and probably took you down a pathway of, 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 of issues with it. But I'm kind of proud to myself of when you're in that situation um, to especially that last seizure. Um, you know, I come in, and it's the fourth day, you're, you're out for almost 96 hours, and the docs come in and they say, hey, you're really a tough guy, you're doing good, keep up with your protocols, keep up with your medicine. And I'm like, thinking to myself, God, I think this is what's killing me. I mean, that's what's encabbing me here. Since I retired in 1997, um, I've been on four or five high blood pressure pills, three or four cholesterol pills, three or four anti-inflammation pills. I mean, starting your day with almost a dozen pills a day um, for this entire century before, and that's not even counting all the pain medications and sleeping pills and depression type medicines that you get going with. And you're in still in an excessive pain. You're not sleeping and your emotional mood swings are, are really scary. So as a as a man suffering through that type stuff, trying to figure out and hoping that there was a pathway, some type of hope, some type of treatment for me, and I wasn't finding much success. So myself, when you're at kind of that crossroads, um, I kind of, I went down a pathway of myself of trying to find some answers myself to um, find my own healing. And um, I'm really proud now to, to be here um, almost four and a half, five years later um, to not have been having any seizures, to not have to have taken any pills or medication pill-wise in almost four years, to, to have lost 100 pounds, to be able to um, articulate, enunciate, communicate many, uh, multiple syllable words is something that, um, is, again, it's almost life-changing. And it's stuff as, you know, you and me were talking about that day um, as older men. Um, you, you, you want to have that era of always having a game plan, always having the answers, always being right, always being in control, always being able to lead and help others. But in reality, um, it's tough for us to admit that our bodies are deteriorating. We don't have all the answers. Um, sometimes we need others to help us. And when you're able to um, maybe admit some of your weaknesses, some of your issues, think that's kind of one of the first pathways towards maybe getting yourself healing and getting yourself in a, in a better way. So one of the things I've, I've been able to, I'm proud to be able to do, and again, it's, as you've heard me say, I'm not overly proud sometimes to talk about some of those things in my past, but I'm really proud about overcoming some of those issues. Even if you're dealt a bad hand and you're dealt a tough situation, somehow, some way, the old Jimmy Johnson line, somehow, some way, find a way to make a difference, get things better. And it started with myself and finding out how I could heal myself and proudly to be able to sit here and, and, and feel thousand percent better than I did multiple years ago. It's almost now a responsibility, I think, to talk to some of my other brothers in the league that have gone through even more issues than myself and show that and let them know that there, hey, there is some hope out there. There isn't um, an opportunity to maybe work on yourself from a holistic standpoint that um, um, that gives you light at the end of the tunnel. 
Well, we'll certainly open up a lot of the things you just touched on there. This is not a story about weakness. This is a story about strength. And you have every right to be proud of what you've done on so many levels and the message you can deliver to, as you called them, your brothers in the NFL. We'll get to all of, of that stuff, including um, the low point, the moment of truth when you had to sort of take charge of your own health. But when you reeled off, Bernie, when you reeled off those stats, all the injuries, all the surgeries, you said 100 concussions. You, you told me before, maybe, what, 15 or 20 of those have been full knockout concussions, which is, which is a shocking number. Yeah, you when, know, when, you, when, you, when you reel that off, I mean, that's you. That's your body. That's all the pain and all the uncertainty and all the work and all the rehab and all the pills. It, do you have to detach from that? I mean, is the, does it seem real when you describe what you've been through as a result of football? You know what? It's almost like when you're laying in the hospital bed in a coma and you almost feel like almost an out-of-body experience. To your very astute point, sometimes you do have to detach yourself from the emotion or the pain at times of what you're going through, at least I did, to try to objectively be able to come to an understanding and come to an idea of um, finding a pathway of something that absolutely could be successful or helpful for myself. That was absolutely a challenge. Well, the question is, why, why, why go on? I mean, you, what you were going through that, how many times did you contemplate ending your career? Just saying, hey, th this is, what am I doing here? I mean, after, after beating after beating and operation after operation, obviously you love the game growing up in Northeast Ohio, Youngstown, it's in your blood, but that had to be some, some soul searching at some point. Yeah, you know, the soul searching part as a, again, as a, as a little boy who grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, halfway between Cleveland and Pittsburgh in, a, in a, um, a steel industry, a manufacturing type town in the 50s, 60s, early 70s. It was one of the greatest places economically to be. Unfortunately, by the late 70s and early 80s, the mills and the steel mills, the manufacturing jobs dissipated here in our country and for sure in our region. So the inability for um, a lot of families to have some success, um, to, to maybe better themselves, uh, to go to college, to get degrees, um, to find um, your life's work was really challenging back then. And sports uh, in Youngstown, Ohio was really the only vehicle to help get yourself, to maybe better yourself slash and or better, better your family. So um, to play sports, um, kind of as a way to take care of your family, to take care of yourself was really one of the really kind of few options you had. So kind of going through, kind of going through that um, almost forced you to do it. And, and Chris, the, almost the, the majority of um, the majority of the surgeries and the majority of what you really realize um, of the pain and the, the challenges of it actually wasn't as much when you were playing um, it's the, most of the surgeries came post playing. Um, mm -hmm. most of the, um, um, physical therapy, rehab, pain medications, um, were post were post playing days. Um, a lot of this, um, I hadn't really, um, a lot of situations where some, I had some good influences that gave me some good advice that planted some good seeds as to things maybe you should do and some things just as important maybe you shouldn't do. So to be able to have some good, good direction at times um, to, 
to start at least knowing that you got to figure out your own pathway of, of the holistic medicine kind of gave me the impetus to um, so impetus slash maybe desperation of laying there um, when you're having that last seizure like that. Yeah, I mean, you've gone there now. So let's let's go back to the moment that you've described as having your, your last seizure. We talked earlier, you were in O'Hare. Hopefully, uh, should I change that and say hopefully my last yes, seizure? Yes, okay. Well, we're <laughs> going to call it your last seizure, your most recent seizure, if you want to be clinically correct here. But uh-huh. so listen, you, you're you're flying around, you're still active, you're you're actually doing some work trying to help the NFL understand the concussion issue. You're in O'Hare Airport. You have this seizure, and you said it was you know four and a half days later you regained consciousness, and a doctor is saying, hey, let's get back at it. Same old, same old, conventional therapy. Keep. And you told me, Bernie, at that moment you had a realization that it only came because during that coma, during that period of time, it was, it was a period of dramatic learning for you, which is quite a powerful thing to describe. Yeah, you know, as, as you're saying that, the, the, the emotions um, are really, really go through you um, from, from that perspective. The, um, when, you're, when you're laying there, when you're laying there in the hospital like that, and you, um, you, you're in your fourth, fourth day, and the doc does come in and say, keep up with the, the protocols, keep up with the pain medications, keep up with, with all that. You, um, um, you, you really have a lot of, um, at least myself, I had a lot of real, almost depressed, because you knew, you knew that wasn't the pathway uh, to working at it. And you're actually really scared because you, you don't, uh, I hadn't yet attempted to do to do um, my holistic protocols. I wasn't convinced, you know, that they, they were going to work. Um, but to see yourself, to be, to know you're, you're laying there in bed yet, to feel your presence, to feel your body, your spirit, to not be in, in your body and to be mm-hmm. kind of almost looking at yourself, um, to ha- you have decisions to make. And I really felt I had decisions that I had to make and that I was being almost shown shown some things of of what's happening with me and and almost a a decision type um, um, opportunity uh, decision was put in front of me that um, you know bluntly was was scary at at the time but when you when I, I, I was meditating and thinking through it and almost as you're you're asking me now and as I'm um, almost trying to put myself back in that spot to to see how you you um, are almost given a message hmm. um, um, to and a, a message a decision to be made um, almost coaching you up like my old coaches to show you a pathway only only to help myself but to, to help others now and when I came out of came out of that a coma it's almost like um, um, I saw myself coming back into my body um, and I knew that I had this mission, I had this passion, I had this responsibility of, of, of knowledge that um, I wanted to go explore. And when the, at, almost at that time, I, the, the doc comes in and says, hey, keep up with those protocols, you're doing good. And it's almost like I was just had this conversation with myself or was told that that's not the pathway. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I started 
um, you know, as you and me have been talking, you know, off air and stuff, I started going down this holistic pathway because I, the, the juice, the IV therapy. They well, let's, no- let's, let's, back, let's start with that path because you're, you're making a departure, a decision that stepping away from conventional medicine. We all have to trust doctors to varying degrees in our life, but you trusted yourself more. You trusted the voice that came to you. So you launch into something which is exciting. It could be energizing, but also because it's uncertain, it could be a little scary. What were those first steps like when you tried to figure out what can I do that's quote unquote holistic, not FDA approved, not tried and true, but feels right to me? What were the first steps? When I was laying in that hospital bed there, I knew that the NFL and, and the old teams I played for, they aren't going to help us. And it's, this is not to pick on the league. It's not to pick on my old team and stuff. But the realization that they aren't going to help and that I'm going to die, and I think I just died a couple days earlier, that if I don't figure this out, if I don't take it into my own hands, and that kind of... Um, um, that kind of decision that was almost freeing of me because there is parts of us as players, as older guys that want to be helped. Even though we say we want to do it ourselves, we are kind of looking for help. We're looking for direction. We're looking for the the team, the league, the docs to give us that answer um, to really relieve us from the pain, the uncertainty, the damage that's going on within us. Um, during that last coma, uh, that was the real realization that that wasn't going to happen. And I don't harbor any animosity towards any of the people I was just talking about. I just knew that for me to be healthy, to be alive, to to have a positive difference in people's lives, my own children's lives, to be there to walk my daughters down the aisle, I needed to make a concerted change and I needed to figure, uh, figure this out. And that's when I, I really... Um, knew that I had to had to find this, and that's when I organically, um, from an organic wellness standpoint, um, um, made this life changing decisions. You talked. You've listed food as being a key component. Food is your medicine. You mentioned IV. Used IV therapy for vitamins because it's more efficient than pills. You also found something called Rick Simpson oil, sometimes known as RSO. Folks can search it. It's a cannabinoid oil. It's a, it's a full-spectrum extract. It's powerful. It has high THC. What role did that oil play in you? Because claims have been made, that, including by the, the creator of it, that it cured his cancer. It's, it's not an approved um, therapy by a lot of conventional medicine, and people should do their own research. But what effect did it have on you, Bernie? What role did, did, did RSO play in your recovery? Well, you... Uh Chris, uh, one of the one of the things that's um, um, the food is your medicine. As a inbred Slovak who grew up on kibasi and pierogies for <laughs> breakfast, that is not the breakfast of champions. Okay, so um, and I love my mother and I love my heritage and they're the best cooks in the world. But um, for long term living and to make it past retirement age. Okay, I had to find another another way of eating. So, yeah, I became a big juicer. Um, Water based, vegetable based um, is absolutely as you astutely said, food is your medicine. And then IV therapy has has been a major influence for me. If if we take a a vitamin, a supplement, a pill, eight to 12 percent absorb into the cell and cell membranes, 
from an IV component, um, I know none of us like needles. We all say we don't want to do that. But from an IV perspective, um, me and you are old enough to have said we grew up on hearing of the commercial one-a-day vitamin. Like we'd said, 8 to 12% of that absorb into your cell and cell membrane. But basically, those components of the one-a-day vitamin, the vitamin Cs, the magnesiums, the zincs, the B-complexes, or optimizing your D levels, 100% of that gets into your uh, your bloodstream when you do it from an IV perspective. So those are the two uh, very important uh, components of it. But after all those years, uh, and I say this since 2018, really this whole century, I'm on my third decade of doing way too much medication. The food is your medicine, the juicing, the IV therapy, and then um, the, the Rick Simpson oil um, and uh, from the cannabis CBD THC component of it, there, there is a real, I believe at least, a real medicinal, a real medicinal anti-inflammation principles that happen in the CBD cannabis world. And that ability, the, the combination of those three and, and Chris, you had mentioned the Rick Simpson oil and RSO, Mm -hmm. um, which Rick Simpson was uh, a man who had cancer, um, who instead of doing chemotherapy, he went down the holistic path of doing that and found amazing results with that. I'm not here today making um, doctor claims from that standpoint, but it's also, Chris was um, the, the uh, RSO, the medicinal uh, benefits of being able to take people that are, um, doing too many pills, whether again, uh, with all the pain medications, depression type medicines, um, um, sleeping type medicines that really weren't working. I was still in pain and still not sleeping to be able to get yourself off of that with um, food IVs and then R the, the RSO, the, the oil from the medicinal standpoint, um, it was absolutely game changing for me. And for me then to be able then to, from a, um, um, a work or chemistry standpoint, be able now to break up um, and a couple of, uh, couple of uh, the research people I work with, to be able now to break out the um, psychoactivity in some of the, uh, in some of the cannabinoids. It's absolutely being game-changing now to be able to medicinally heal um, people. And it's absolutely healed myself. And it was, I've been, paying attention to this um, probably for a half dozen years. I started it myself four and a half years ago. And the combination of all of that has been so game changing to me besides um, losing over a hundred pounds and, and slowing down at least the deterioration and the inability to articulate, enunciate, communicate from, from the, the pre-dementia standpoint has, has really been game-changing, game-changing with that. Yeah, Tobacco, you, you said it quickly, but that what a terrifying thing when, when doctors say you have about five years left of cognitive ability, pre-dementia, early-onset Parkinson's. I mean, these are all things, right, that, that you yeah. were facing that you have halted and dramatically reversed in a pretty short amount of time, Bernie. I mean, yeah, that's Chris, why I think it's pretty breathtaking, and, and you should be incredibly proud of that. Well, well thanks, Chris. If, if, even from the articulation, communication, ability to enunciate words, just 
bluntly remembering that you and me are what we're talking about, being able to stay on task and to make points. If you and me would have been doing this conversation or been at the sidelines of a UM game five years ago, it would have been a brief conversation. I'm not sure you would have even wanted me to, to, um, um, to be on uh, one of your telecasts like that. You know, painkillers are constant companions of athletes, particularly football players at, at different levels. You talked about having to take so many daily pills. How would you describe, Bernie, your relationship with, I mean, these are powerful painkillers, opioids. How, how at, at a lowest point, where were you with those? Well, from a, from a standpoint of, if you go back to the late 90s, early 2000s, we were flat out preached to that it's not addictive and it's not psychoactive. Like we know that today in 2022, we've probably known that for the last few years, but 10 to 15 years ago, for sure, 20 and 25 years ago, we were preached to that this is not psychoactive and that it's not addictive. So those first, you know, being able to even realize that that's happened to you um, was 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 ma was a massive issue from from that perspective with it. Well, you begin the process, and, and now you're you're off of the painkillers, and you're doing your holistic approach, but still as hopeful as you want to be, as much as you're trusting your instincts and, and trusting these new people you're talking to, you don't really know. But then you begin to see improvement. You begin to see positive yeah. side. What what was that like when you realized? oh, shit, I, I might actually have another path to take here because I'm getting progress in this area. Great, great question, Chris. And just, just like the enthusiasm in your voice with it, that enthusiasm with me um, happened within a week or two of wow. coming, out of, coming out of that coma. And that starting fast? That, that fast, fast you saw results? And, and a lot of people say, like, oh, you got great self-discipline. Oh, well, you're an athlete, you're tough, you know how to abstain or just change and do this. One of the beautiful things about the food is your medicine, the IV therapy and the medicinal uh, effects of the oil and the Rick Simpson's oil. And, and for people out there, not all stuff is made the same. So it's not all the same thing. So you may not derive the same results just by picking something off to the street um, or at, at a dispensary. We'll, we'll, we'll give a disclaimer. Saint, on that. That, that's a generic term. RSO is a generic term. It's made by lots of different companies in different ways, and you should definitely, definitely do due diligence and research that if you're even considering it. I, I Yeah, I and absolutely the same on that with your IV therapy. Not mm -hmm. all IVs, not all vitamins are the same, just like not all food is the same. So you absolutely need to kind of research it out there a lot of people have asked me like how come i'm not um selling my juice re uh, recipes how come i'm not selling iv therapy how come i'm not selling the rso and the the cbds and the cbns that go along with that and maybe someday i will but like right now i did not want and even today you and me have talked about this off here. I didn't want, I, I really wanted to help myself. I really feel a responsibility and a calling to help others with this. So to, I didn't want to make this about um, um, a PL or a business sure. statement. You know, I'm not trying to sell you IV therapy. I'm not trying to sell you anybody RSO or CBD today. I'm just 
relaying the, my story about what I went through and how I'm able to get better with it. So I don't have an economic motive for, for even saying the IVs, the food, the RSO. But no, I get that. And that, the, that makes what, it more powerful and honest and compelling. I, I, I get that. So when you're hey, having, Chris, you're having results, though, you're starting to get positive steps. So how are you feeling? And what, what, yeah, what are so other that, people saying a, to you? Yeah, so Chris, that's what I wanted to say for some of the people listening out there. You know, if you if you're dependent on alcohol, you know that you um, are you dependent on opiates. You know you can't just stop. You know you're getting nervous about that. There's a physical a physical reaction that happens with things like that. That that creates a lot of anxiety and a lot of physical issues to be in and around other people. And then uh, so. That first week or so, it's amazing how you're able to physically detox people's bodies. And when they're physically detoxed, um, you're able to um, more rashly understand um, kind of your situation. But what we found after a couple of weeks of, of doing this, and this isn't a pitch to say, hey, just do this for two weeks and your whole life's going to um, change and go back to the way you're living. But what I found was after doing this for a couple of weeks, it felt you could see light at the end of the tunnel. And this will sound like I'm making a, a claim for this, but it, it really was, the, this was the game changing part for me is I don't have to not drink right now, nor take pills because I, I'm tough and self-disciplined. When you do this, when I did this detox and I did this cleanse um, holistically and organically, Chris, it ended up almost resetting my brain. So my brain doesn't really ask for that type stuff. And if you are um, a person who drinks too much or a person who's taking pills, opiates in particular, the mental illness pills, the, the, the Adderalls, the, the depression type medicine, the sleeping pills, you almost start asking for it when you don't take them. What I found when I started doing this treatment with the changing of the diet, the IVs and the oils was it did a beautiful reset of my brain and people's brains to, to actually help me with my articulation, enunciation and communication. But it also took away that urge and that, that demon in your head that says, Hey, at happy hour today, let's go have a drink. That, 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 that voice in my head doesn't talk to me. And I found that to be a pretty consistent theme with a lot of people that I've been able to help share this message with. Yeah, I know we want to be careful. The message here is not throw away your medicines, forget conventional wisdom, don't listen to your doctors. That's Those are decisions everyone has to make on their own. You're saying what worked for you, and you were at a very, for very me. low place. And I think anybody who's in a, in a crisis situation has to take stock and make their own choice based on the people around them that they trust, et cetera. But I, I know you're careful to say, this is what worked for you, and you made dramatic and quick progress. Was there a moment, Bernie, when you realized, wow, I, I just put together three or four big words in a sentence, and I haven't done that in a long time, and I didn't know if I ever would be able to, and, and kind of a, a, a real turning point that you can recall. Yeah, Chris, you know what? It, it's, it's been, it, it's, it's been really um, those type of points happen so much at that first month, two, three months that, and it had been, you know, I'm saying five years, but probably longer because I think people, you know, weren't really telling you and you weren't really uh, 
paying attention to to yourself as to uh, um, how you sounded and how you acted. But that was that was something that really after after like a month or so, uh, I'm I'm in here saying to myself, God, this is like a a, a second chance in life, and you know the. The uh, I said it earlier, late third quarter, early fourth quarter of my life, but I feel like I've been given these gifts or shown these gifts uh, and been given a second chance. And so, so many of us here in, in this world deserve a second chance. And, and when, you, when you're able to honestly kind of assess where you're at and openly look at yourself and say, hey, um, I'm proud of me. Yeah, I made some mistakes back in my past. And then instead of sweeping under the table, I actually want to embrace them and learn from them and just make sure I don't make them again. And I, I really feel like that's kind of the pathway that I've been learning, learning on. Yeah, the honesty that you've shown, the bravery in facing mistakes, in, in being vulnerable. I mean, if people remember, it was a decade ago, the 30 for 30 broke. You were talking about a very different situation, but a very difficult situation in your life. If you were to to look back at, at you, you know, on tape from that versus today. I mean, anybody will be startled. What what kind of feelings do you get when when you see that? This was just ten years ago. Yeah, you know, when you look at some of those thirty thirties, like um, with the great Mark Schwartz, who did a couple with me, and uh, Billy Corbin um, with the University of Miami, mm -hmm. and you look at some of those where. Um, most of what you filmed of me, most of what you edited, most of what we talked about was not usable because mm. I was so inarticulate. It was so challenged. And I actually thought I was in decent shape when I did those. I actually was proud of me then saying, God, I'm really I'm better when I did those interviews than I was the previous year. And I look at those now and I'm like, geez, how did I even make it past the final editing of that? And, and as something that maybe you were embarrassed of um, or scared of because you were trying to do your best and you don't know even um, what your future lies, uh, what lies in store for you or how to get yourself better. So um, to, to figure that out and then to have yourself actually feeling better was just, was just can't thank God enough for that, for that, for that gift. You said you feel a responsibility to share your story and offer suggestions, not, not, not heavy-handedly, but offer ideas for, for your brothers. You call them your brothers in the NFL. Or it, really, it, it extends, as you know, to, to a lot of middle-aged guys, but guys who've been through a tough, demanding job like playing NFL football. And, and take me through kind of your thought process and where you, where you are now with trying to share your experience with those guys. Yeah, well, you know what, Chris? And from our NFL brothers out there, um, we we have been through a lot. But even for guys who haven't played, um, you and me were talking about, you know, as we get into our 50s, as as older men, we are wanting to be leaders. We want to be heads of our family. We want to know all the answers. We want to be that wise, profound um, leaders <laughs> person. And the reality is, all of our bodies are breaking at this age. I'm not just the football players. So for my brothers in the league and for all of us guys, it's okay to say that we're not perfect and we're breaking down a little bit. And it's a little, it's, I, I find it 
almost funny slash sad funny that so many of us guys have trouble admitting that we're not perfect and that we're breaking down. So, What's the value, Bernie, in facing that, admitting that, hey, we're not as strong and fast as we used to be, and, and, and to admit that you're slowing down and face it. What, what's the, what's so the you know value? Why I believe because I don't think you could really address and fix an issue until you really admit there is the issue. So, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, Chris Fowler should work on this. I'm not Chris. I'm Bernie. But um, for Bernie to say, hey, Bernie needs to work on this. Bernie has this issue. And so many guys, I don't think we, we don't want to admit what our issue is. And when you admit what maybe my limitations or my weaknesses are or my things that I could do better are, that's, that's the first step towards your pathway of, of correcting that issue. To what degree is football responsible for your situation? And, and despite the love you had for the game from a very young age, when you say, look what football you know, did to your mind and body, look at the position it put you in. How do you wrestle with that, if you do, and reconcile it? Um, again, this isn't to pick on the old teams. This isn't to pick on the NFL. This isn't to position myself for any of those concussion litigations or disability insurance things that they run us ex-players through that ultimately don't really bear, bear fruit into anything other than putting you on more planes that put you at risk for seizures in O'Hare Airport. Um, but I was, I, I think I joked on air before or off air before we started that I was so excited that my son, when he stopped playing football, because um, he doesn't have to, I don't want to see him go through a lot of these issues that um, pain, uh, the broken bones, mm. the, the head issues that, that his dad had to go through. But I don't say that from a woe is me standpoint. And Chris, I think to ultimately to what your question was, I actually am so, so proud and happy that I did this, that played football. And actually, I'm not a masochist. I'm not too demented, I believe. Um, probably been hitting the head too much to think like this. But I'm, I'm really actually glad it happened. And I actually believe it happened for a reason. Because if I didn't go through all this, if I didn't have all those injuries, if I didn't um, have the issues that happened, I would have been so easy. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been able to determine, figure out, really help develop this pathway of holistic wellness and healthy living that actually at 58 years old has me feeling better today than I did at 48. So um, I'm actually glad it happened. I'm super happy I played. I don't regret it to the point because... I wouldn't be able to have learned this stuff if my body didn't go through all those 40 some surgeries and 75, 80 broken bones, all those concussions. I don't think I, I know I wouldn't have had the spirit, the the energy, the focus to attack this issue selfishly, probably for myself so that I could be here. But now for my brothers and for for guys from across the country, this is this is really for people at, um, a lifestyle now that I really believe um, is a pathway to real happiness. And some of this stuff that, you know, uh, I've been talking so much about, like what's been happening in society. You know, we've had this virus the last couple of years. We had, we had those issues with January 6th, the extremeness that's going on, whether you're a D or an R, black or white, the virus staying in, staying out. We saw what happened in, in Buffalo just this past week. We're watching what's happening in Ukraine. 
I mean, this extremism that's going out there in society, um, it, this is now almost a, a situation now where whether it's um, us athletes, celebrities, people that have a, have a platform now, I really believe it's almost a responsibility of us to get out there and, and let cooler heads, mature heads prevail and to be able to to have a genuine care, again, back to the you matter, why we care about people as um, now is a situation where there's such extreme, almost hostility towards so many people that being able to show genuine caring and genuine love and genuinely want to see you do good just for the sake of you doing good. I think that spirit is so essentially needed within our country and within our world right now. Now you said it well, there massive problems that are very difficult, if not nearly impossible to solve on many levels seemingly, yet it does start with an individual. If you start by improving yourself, if you start by wanting to improve the others around you, that is something. That is something you can control in a world where so much feels uncontrollable. So you sound pretty charged up about where you are, despite being in a troubled world, uh, and each day. I mean, what? how would you characterize sort of, you know, this this current chapter in your life is, is it a, a new lease how do you describe where you are at 58 now well you know what it's absolutely a new lease a second chance a responsibility to to really share share this message share this passion share these gifts um you know i i, I say for my brothers in the league but it's really for all of us right now and you know, as, as um, so for me, you know, really wanting to be around people and or companies, you know, that are really socially and environmentally conscious, you know, that are really dedicated to improving the health and wellness of people, families and communities on our planet. Um, that type of genuine giving back, and that type of genuine help right now is something that, you know, as, I'm, as I said a couple times on, on the, um, on the uh, call here today, as I get into the early fourth quarter, late third quarter of my life, is something that I'm really committed to do and, and super proud to be doing. What has you most excited? What 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 do you see as a sort of a specific purpose, um, you know, going forward? If you're in the fourth quarter, man, I hope you have double overtime. I mean, let's not let's not worry about the clock ticket just yet. The way you're doing right now. I mean, you've defied so many experts' opinions. We could be sitting here 10, 20 years having a conversation like this, hopefully. <laughs> well, you know, the, the human body, the human body and the organs could live to be 120, 130 years old. So <laughs> it's like I carried away. <laughs> getting, the, getting the toxins out of our environment, getting the toxins, out, flushing it out of our body is absolutely a prerequisite to trying to hit that centennial, that centennial number. Wow, that's... That's a great thing. And I, I think that uh, if it took um, all those broken bones and all those surgeries and all those pills and all that fear and uncertainty and a near-death experience um, to get you, then that's what it took. But uh, yeah, and, know, thank God you again, got there. And I was, I, I went, I I'd never really, I, I've been through stages in, in life of, the roller coaster and stuff, but always wanting to to be positive and uh, and try to again as as I talked earlier of trying to always turn a negative situation into a positive situation. Um, having some of those injuries, having the concussions, 
having the coma, having, again, those surgeries, um, I actually look at that as a blessing um, because I wouldn't have been able to understand um, this pathway and I wouldn't have been able to have the courage, I think, to, to try some of these newer. Um, to me, they don't seem speculative today, although when I was doing them four, five, six years ago, that they probably seemed like I was reaching and it was a spe speculative move. But, you know, today, to be able to have done that, I really believe it's, I've been put on this earth for kind of that pathway. But there are still skeptics. What do you run up against in terms of people saying, yeah, that, come on, Bernie, who are you kidding? That's not going to work. Yeah, you know what, Chris? Unfortunately, uh, I wish I could disagree with you, but unfortunately, uh, you're right. Um, there, there are quite a few people, and that's kind of why also I, I haven't overly talked about it and why it really hasn't um, been a business part of mine because when you start, if I was selling you the food, the IVs or the, the THC CBD oils, people tend to say, oh, you're, you're, you're biased towards that. You're, you're just trying to do it from a business perspective. So um, I haven't been doing it from that perspective. And matter of fact, uh, it tends to be the people who um, ask me these questions, um, mainly because they're almost desperate themselves. And, and so I, uh, for sometimes the people who look at me with a jaundice eye, or um, um, think I'm embellishing or making up the issues. I wish I was making up the issues. I wish I was embellishing some of the stuff that I had to go through. But um, when I uh, when that, that happens, and I uh, you prefer it not to happen, but but the positive feelings you get when you see the difference in the people that I've been able to drastically change their lives and see that they have a second chance, they have an ability now to go back to leading their families, being productive in, in society. It's, it, it's game-changing for me personally. Well, that chance conversation where I ask you how you were, the most inane question, most innocuous one you can possibly ask somebody, and where you have related your story, I mean, I, I would never have known, and I'm sure people say this, uh, had you not described where you were and how low you got, uh, that you had been all through that, hearing you now, because you, you, always your, your, your brain was always your best weapon as a quarterback, oh, cerebral oh. quarterback. It was, it was your mind that really got you through. You weren't the fastest guy. That's why you got hit so many times, had so many concussions. But to have that part, Bernie, come back together, have everything firing to see you smiling right now, I mean, it, it makes the many, many millions of fans of yours feel good. Well, thanks for all the younger uh, viewers or listeners out there. I don't want to do too much truth serum, but for a guy who ran a 5.540 and had a buck 85 <laughs> cave his chest in, um, mentally, I had to be majorly cognizant of my head and keep my brain in, in, uh, in working order because my physical abilities weren't going to get me through. And that, and that again, was probably something that I – that. I'm proud that to have had that issue because I don't think I would have, again, I'm not a masochist, but I don't think I would have been as injured as much and then wouldn't have been able to kind of learn some of these life lessons that thankfully I survived. I think I survived them. And now I'm able to, to start passing them on to other people. And, you know, we had said earlier, what's happening in society, what's happened with the virus, what's happening with mental illness and depression and, and the need for mental wellness now and your physical body is absolutely connected to your your physical your, your mental wellness too 
Um, the last couple of years have made me, besides I've gotten better and healthier, um, what's happened around us in society has made it almost essential that even if people look at me with a little bit of a jaundice eye with it, I know there are a lot of people that are looking at it and getting relief from it and finding ways to um, get their second chance in life. You know, when you ask an old acquaintance, how are you? What have you been up to? You just might be shocked and inspired by their answer. I'm certainly grateful I asked Bernie those questions at the practice field of his alma mater. There is so much more to Bernie's story, so many twists and turns that we can cover in one podcast. It ought to be made into a movie. I would buy a ticket. Again, I want to emphasize that swearing off medications and using alternative approaches are serious decisions. It worked for Bernie, but they should be made after research and thought and conversations with people that you trust. This wraps up season four of Fowler Who You Got. My co-executive producer, Jennifer Dempster, and editor Jason Weichelt and I, certainly grateful for your interest and support and the growth of this podcast. There are plenty of great episodes archived for you to check out. We'll go on our usual summer hiatus and then come back with more new episodes. I'll talk to you then, and I'll see you from Wimbledon.